Welcome to the People First Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the People First Podcast in Season 2. We're off and running with a beautiful Season 2 set of lineups, and this one is no different. I'm your host, president, and co-founder of People First Professionals, Devin Williams, and today we're going to be talking about this concept of love and leadership. And I'm sure a lot of people are just hearing that off the bat, jumping to all sorts of different bias-driven judgments on what this is about. And that's exactly why we're here to talk about it today. And I'm thrilled to have Randy Ramirzma, who's working with us. And he and I have gone back, didn't work directly, but have been together at a couple of different organizations. And it was just awesome to see one of our PFP leaders, Jeff Boynton, bring Randy back into the fold. And here we are for this discussion and a little bit on Randy before we dive in, you know, Randy's been in sales really his entire life. He jokes about starting even with fundraisers, which of course, Randy, no competition, always taken home first place, I bet. Uh, But he's been in B2B tech sales for over 32 years. I mean, really ran the gambit of roles and responsibilities, sales consulting and sales coaching with Span the Chasm. And ultimately, one of the reasons that I'm really attracted to Randy in this topic is he's a lifelong learner and incredibly high in EQ and has some really, really powerful personal experiences that have driven a lot of his thoughts, perspectives, actions around this concept of love and leadership. So, Randy, thank you so much for being here, brother. We really appreciate the time. Uh, Devin, thank you so much for having me. I love an opportunity to, you know, chat. Like I said, you know, when you and I talked before, if anything that I can share from my scar tissue can be the uh, the easy learning for someone else, I'm all in. Well, you know, it's it's guys like you that help all of us that are that are set to follow in your footsteps, who are willing to to lend some of that guidance, and so we really appreciate it. All right, brother. So, love and leadership. You ready to dive in? I am ready. All right, let's do it. So. You know, we always like to to really start with kind of a story of realization, right? You know, you and I talked about a, a lot of highly applicable life experiences that you've had. So, yeah. you know, whether it's a series of events or a particular event, you know, tell us a little bit about how, you know, you as a sales leader, as a consultant, as a coach, have really started to maybe change some of your original thoughts about this concept of love in leadership and, and with leadership. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to have to take a minute to kind of go back in time and just talk a little bit about my leadership journey. Um, before I get too far, though, I do want to like, you know, people are talking about love and leadership. Is this kind of a freaky thing or not? Um, th- love is a complicated thing. What we're talking about here is in the Greek language would be considered agape love, which is that sort of unconditional familial, very um, team-oriented love, not some freaky arrows kind of thing. There is no space in the workplace for that. So I just want to put everybody at ease. Um, you know, Devin, I, I really enjoyed our chat the other day. You know, Jeff got us reconnected. Oddly, um, I am an alcoholic and addict in recovery, and that's that's the path that Jeff and I got reconnected on, which is kind of funny. But it also ends up being the source of this topic. But um, I'm going to say that this is really part of the third kind of big learning phase in my career as a leader. And I'll just go through those very quickly. The first one, and this is going to be so obvious to so many, 
I didn't realize it early on, but for me, a big shift for me, my first big learning, and this is at the hands of a guy, a guy, uh, two gentlemen, Larry Albertson and Mai Chung, that I worked for many, many, many years ago, moving from a me mindset to a we mindset. And for me early on, I was all about creating mini me's. I was a high post sales guy. Therefore, everybody in my team was going to be a high post sales person and they were going to be the same as me. And I was like forming them into my own mold very unsuccessfully for their from their standpoint. I mean, they were performing well, making money, but not having a lot of time. And my leadership slowed me down and got me to understand that this is a we thing, Randy. It's not about creating little mini me's. This is much more about we as a team, understanding people's strengths and weaknesses and some of those things, which are fairly obvious, but to me, weren't at the time. Um, so that was like late 20s. Uh, fast forward a few years forward. And then I think um, the next big jump for me was moving from a prescription mindset to a collaboration mindset. Now, um, you know, or, you know, I, I care about people. It's a we thing. But I still was very, very prescriptive. Do this. Here's how we're going to do that. And I kind of moved to kind of more collaborating more. Let's talk through ideas. I may know where we were going to end up anyway, but you know, I kind of went through that process much more involving my leadership team, much better inclusion, much better results. Um, so moving from prescription to collaboration. And then this, I'm going to say this third jump is moving from expectations to affection. And this was kind of the big thing for me. Um, you know, my learning on the collaboration that came. Uh, one of my favorite bosses, that second phase, Marcy Clapp, that I worked for many, many years ago, was just a fantastic leader that um, helped me get more out of the people around me. And I learned so many, so many lessons from her. And then this, this last piece, uh, moving from expectations to affection, this actually came, you know, I referenced a minute ago how Jeff and I got reconnected. This came from my sponsor in AA who really helped me understand that if you're building your life on expectations, um, it's reasonable to have those people, but, you know, make sure they're healthy and, and other things. But if you move from just expecting things of other people to caring deeply for them, having a deep, deep sense of affection for them, love for them, that the, the engagement changes completely. And I saw that play out in the, in the rooms of AA where I spent a lot of time and the people I've had the, the good fortune to sponsor there to now where I'm applying that in the workplace where day one, when I engage with you, and, and I've got four wonderful guys working for me right now over at MuleSoft, I care deeply about them and they know it. And because of that, that creates a sense of transparency, a sense of authenticity, a freedom to be able to really get to truth. We talk about writing to the truth a lot of my team because it's very safe because we know, they know from me how deeply I care for them. No, Randy, like so many things that you said there, you know, your journey, I think like you, you called out a few times, like, you know, very obvious to me now, right? You know, hindsight is 2020 as they say, but so many people I think are seeing and living through various stages of the development and the growth that you talked about ultimately culminating in this kind of final place of expectations to affection. And I love that, right? The concept of moving from expecting of someone to caring for someone and all that's going to come from that. And I mean, just, you know, for our listeners, like take a step back and really sit in what Randy is talking about right now and think about the jobs, the organizations that you've held 
that really lacked fulfillment of any kind beyond just, you know, facilitating the job that you're remitted to do. And then think of those relationships, uh, personal or professional, that are rife with fulfillment as well as awesome outcomes, whatever those might be. I would bet that the latter set of experiences is based on affection and caring and not expectation. And so it's what Randy's saying here to all of us, and I encourage you to listen, is that we can all do this shift from me to we, from expectations to affection. And not only is it going to drive the results that we're all looking for, but it's going to drive those in a way that is scalable, that is sustainable, and ultimately leads to a fulfilling work life, which, gosh, I mean, we could all, I think we could all use some of that in our life. So I love everything that you just broke down. And I'm really tempted to make a lot of assumptions, Randy, and kind of jump and lead the witness a bit, but I'm going to do my best to bite my tongue. What are some specific things that you've done, some of the intentionality that you've taken as you've continued to mature in your leadership style and this shift from expectation to affection? And how is that actually showing up in your personal and professional life? Absolutely. Let's dig into that. I do want to clarify a little bit. Like, you know, I'm not like saying, hey, this we're going to end up in this just like, you know, snuggly teddy bear blanket kind of a world. You know, in each of these areas, from me to we, when I went to we, I still tried to hang on to, you know, what are some of the attributes of me that were very, very good as a salesperson that could be replicated and taught, but contextualized for the other person? So we still had some, you know, we're still trying to maximize the benefit there. When I went from prescription to collaboration, you still got to call the shots sometimes. And sometimes it's just like, hey, this is what we're doing. But the collaboration kind of led, but we still did that prescription. The same thing with the, with the, uh, the affection versus expectation. You know, it's, it's not that I don't have expectations in my team, right? I want us to all be high performers. I expect us to do a certain amount of, you know, pipeline generation, certain amount of, you know, all those things that we have to do. But the fuel behind that is more is is, the, is that affection for the people um, that that has grown naturally and organically. But that's something I have definitely led with. So I just wanted to. Um, yeah, absolutely, and that's yeah. that's something we've talked about in the past, right? That that difference, while still maintaining expectations, but doing it through affection, that is how you get discretionary effort. That so many you you even mentioned a leader that helped you gain exactly that ability to suss out the discretionary effort of your people. And and then you think about the statement you made about getting to the truth. Like the truth does not exist when there is not a safe place to tell it, period. You will never get there. And I, you know, so I think there's so many applications and it's good, Randy, that you bring us out of this, you know, uh, hippie flower world where, (laughs) you know, all we have to do is share the love and everything will be taking care of itself. But it's adding on to those expectations and delivering those with, you know, the lexicon of, of care, of genuine authenticity, et cetera. So well said. I'm glad that you brought us back. Well, awesome. Yeah. And, and you know, so so love. Right. You know, I learned this in an odd place. Um, obviously, most people aren't exposed to it there. But one of the things that, you know, is learning for me and this comes, you know, I grew up in a fairly Germanic disciplined uh, household was, you know, I, I historically would not have viewed love as a strength attribute, right? Um, but, you know, going through the journey, the personal journey that I've gone, which it's not, uh, you know, not all pleasant, I, I learned, though, that um, 
love actually is a true strength attribute. It enables, it allows so many things to exist. It allows safety to exist and honesty to exist and humility to exist. If someone knows that the underpinnings of our relationship are deep professional affection, that I care deeply for you and your family, someone can tell me that they screwed something up. And what I've learned in that process is when someone makes a mistake, they're neither good nor, these aren't good nor bad elements. They're just true. And once we have something that's in front of us, that's true. What do we want to do about that or with that, right? Maybe you're not in a good spot where you want to be with an account. That's neither good nor bad. It's just true. If as long as there's a safe environment, you know that I care about you. I know, you know that I care deeply for our clients. We can take that true moment and build a different path to a different moment, but our thinking process is going to be based on truth. What I have found late in life, what I wish, oh my gosh, Devin, I wish I learned this so much earlier. When, when you're not leading with that safety, with that, that affection-based environment, and people are nervous about what the outcome of the meeting is going to be or how my boss is going to take this, they no longer deliver the true truth, the whole truth. And then you're making decisions that are not based on truth. They're based on delusion or, you know, false pretenses or manipulation. And you're not going to make a better path forward. Here's the crazy thought for everyone I want you to consider. Leading with love in the workshop is actually the most efficient thing you can do because it removes all the crap. It removes all the noise and allows you to really get to what the issue is build a plan that's based on reality and move forward. It's extraordinarily efficient and makes it a great place to work. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And that's back to, you know, this, this truth piece. And I, I love what Randy's calling out there about removing the good or the bad and just focusing on the truth, right? That is a, that is a concept that is really heavy handed in emotional intelligence. And the first kind of building block of EQ is, is self-awareness. And one of the traps that so many of us get caught in in this journey is we tend to label our internal thoughts as good or bad. And the reality is they're not good or bad. They just are. And then to Randy's point, once we determine what is the truth, then we can build a true path from there. But we need to let go, you know, Randy brought up the example, maybe we're not in a great place. We didn't do things that we wanted to do. That's, that's not bad, but let's understand where we truly are without, you know, people having fear that causes them to misrepresent the true situation or opportunity at hand. And then all you're doing at that point is pouring work and effort uh, based on a misaligned belief or starting point from the very get-go. So, you know, Randy, what are some other things, you know, you talked about really leading with love and that being incredibly efficient and productive. So efficiency, productivity, what are some of the other kind of benefits that you've seen as a leader really focusing on this, you know, love as a core tenant of your leadership principles? And again, not that romantic love, but agape love. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as a leader, um, it's allowed me to be more humble. It puts more, it takes, it takes some of the pressure off me because I can, when my team knows that I'm, I'm working my best for them, I don't have to bring a lot of pretense to the conversation. There are things that I don't know and that's okay. And it actually allows me to then be more humble and, and, you know, prescribe versus collaborate 
when I'm moving from like a, you know, a power position or an autocratic position, um, then I'm going to prescribe a whole lot more than I will collaborate. Humility allows me to collaborate more. And let me tell you, we sometimes we often end up exactly where I thought we might. But a lot of times it's one plus one equals at least two and a quarter or two and a half and sometimes three. So that would be an example, you know, not having to answer or not having to know everything. Um, I think, you know, we as leaders, one of my favorite quotes is from Napoleon Bonaparte. Um, leaders are merchants in hope. And I feel that when I am genuinely connected with my people, I can, you know, that automatically creates more hope because the team is tighter, the community is tighter, and some things like that happen. Um, courage, right? I think love enables courage. It's safer to try something because you know you're not going to get kicked in the head by your leadership. We're going to say, what happened? What did we learn from that? What do we want to do differently? What would make different, you know, what would be a different plan for next time? It allows people to, to flex courage in the face of fear. Um, and, and, you know, it, it breaks down to service too. I think for me, one of the big things that is, you know, I'll come from here is I'm paid to do a job, right? So there's no there's no doubt about that. I've got a certain amount of revenue that that me and my team need to uh, produce, but I view my role very much as a servant, right? And you know, they talk about servant leadership. I think that's redundant. Real leadership is about service, and this idea of caring deeply for my clients, caring deeply for my company, caring deeply for my team, that allows me to just fuel as a heart of service. How can I help versus what do I need to do? Sometimes just how can I help? Where can I lean in? Where can I lighten someone's load? So for me, you know, Devin, those are some things that have sort of come out of this, you know, late in life process that I wish I, again, I wish, man, I wish I'd learned this in my early 30s instead of my uh, early 50s, late 40s and early 50s. But we are where we are and I'm grateful for the moment. I love it. There's just so much goodness there. And I, I think, you know, you doubled down on several things that that we have been talking about uh, throughout. And again, the the message, it resonates, it, it maintains consistency. So I'm I'm confident, Randy, there's people listening who are encouraged, who are inspired, who maybe see gaps in their own workplace, their own leadership, whatever it might be. Um, people that want to make intentional efforts to change the trajectory of their career, of their workplace, et cetera. You know, you've, like you mentioned up front, scar tissue, right? You've got some stub toes, some bruised knees along the way, I'm sure. You know, what are, what are some words of wisdom that you might impart? Um, some resources that, that you found really helpful as you, you went through this journey beyond some of those individual leaders that you were blessed to have. You know, just what are some tangible things that we can leave our listeners with if they're inspired to action here from the discussion? Well, so I'll leave you with a thought and I'll leave you with a book. So one of the things is the thought is that I believe love is simply the most powerful force on the planet. Um, there are definitely people that have not acted out of love over, over the course of history that have done tremendous damage. Think Hitler, think, you know, uh, Genghis Khan. But if you look at the people who have changed the course of history, Ultimately, they were fueled by love. Dr. King, Jesus Christ, Mahatma Gandhi, you know, Mother Teresa, you know, these people that we know, uh, Nelson Mandela, that we know that have changed the course of history and expanded 
the, the conversation and context of humanity. They did it based on love. I do believe that love is simply the most powerful force in the universe. And it plays everywhere. Obviously, it plays in our families. You know, I, I love my wife dearly. Um, I love my kids dearly. It works. It plays out in the workplace. It's a different kind of love. But man, my team knows I'm there for them. So that's I, I would you know, when you when you kind of roll when when you might be tempted to roll your eyes as you listen to this podcast and be like, yeah, whatever. Um, think about it. Love may actually be the most powerful force in the universe. So that's just a thought I want you to think of. And maybe use that to give you some courage, some fuel, some strength as you try to move into the workplace and into your relationships a different, a little different way. And then as a resource, I read a great book a while back by Tim Sanders. I think he was part of the Google crowd there for a while. A very, very great guy. Um, Love is the killer app. And he talks about having that same sort of affection, caring for other people uh, as a means to really be successful in the workplace. So Love is the killer app by Tim Sanders. It's a great read. It's three-eighths of an inch thick. I don't read very long books, so I can promise you it's a, it's a quick, light read, and, you, and you'll enjoy it. So, Devin, that's, that's, my, that's my parting thought of wisdom. It's a lot of pressure on me, but I, I don't know. I brought what I could, and there's a good book to, to consider reading. Uh, we, we love books, as uh, signified by the Betterment Book Club, thanks to our boy Jeff, who we talked about earlier. Hey, Jeff, a little plug for you, buddy. Um, but love is the killer app. I think that's a, a great one to, to give across the table for folks who are looking to maybe take this conversation a few layers deeper. What better way than to do it with a book? And as always to our listeners, uh, be sure to check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, Anchor, or iTunes, Spotify. Jump on peoplefirst.org, peoplefirstprofessionals.org. You can get access to the, uh, the podcasts, access to the book club, the online community, videos, our newsletter, et cetera, where we'll be highlighting and double-clicking on some of the elements that we talked about with Randy today. But Randy, can't thank you enough. Another great session. I knew it would be based on our history and uh, just our little chat prior to this. But again, I know you're a busy guy. Thank you so much for making the time for us in the community. Oh, you bet, Devin. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I love it. Uh, Hope I can be an encouragement to one or two people. And, you know, if you, if you help out one person, you've really helped out a million. So right. very, very grateful for the time. That's right. Well, we appreciate you. And to all the listeners out there, thank you for tuning in. Keep plugging away. Season two will continue to drop and make it a great day. We'll talk to you soon.